I think if there was ever a time that I can remember in my walk with the Lord that Christians need courage, it's now. Amen? I believe courage is going to be essential to making it in the days to come. God wants us to have courage. Now, a lot of you might say, well, I don't know about courage, but I'm sure I'm discouraged. Well, I want to talk to you today about the courage to keep on going. The courage to keep on going. How many of you can say that life in the last year has hit me in ways I didn't expect? All right? Yeah. In a lot of, it's, it's been a difficult time. Difficult, not just a year, but two years. COVID and all the, now we're in inflation and high gas prices and so on and so forth. And it, it's, it's more and more a difficult culture to be a believer. And so I want to talk to you about the courage to keep going because sometimes it's courage that'll get you to the other side. Amen? So I'm going to read out of Hebrews chapter 11, and this is called God's Hall of Faith. This chapter where the writer gives us person after person after person out of the Bible that um, did great feats of faith. And he names them, and he gives a little summation of what they did. I'm going to jump right to verse 32. And he says, what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. I love this next one. Everybody read the next one with me. From weakness were made strong. Let's say that again. From weakness, they were made strong. All right? Became mighty in war, and they put foreign armies to flight. Now, when it says that about foreign armies and the physical, it's talking about you and I putting spiritual enemies to flight. Amen? So all these things were done by faith and by courage. So I want to pray today. Father, thank you for the reality of courage. Lord, we need courage. We need courage every day to stand up for you, to walk with you, to stand for you in front of non-believers. We need courage to fight the flesh. We need courage in this fallen world. And we thank you, Lord, for today, illuminating us and encouraging us by the Word of God. Pray this with me, church. Would you say, Lord, today, help me to put on courage and walk in courage. In the mighty name of Jesus, I will not be afraid. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you are courageous. Amen. Amen, amen. How many of you need some courage today? A little bit of courage. All right. Uh, courage in the Hebrew language means to be stout, to be bold, to be strong. Um, we all remember the Cowardly Lion and the Wizard of Oz, right? How many times have I watched that movie? 300? And remember, what did he want? He wanted, I'm going to try this, courage. I will do anything to preach. But how many of you remember the, and what was his problem? He's, I, I can't find courage when I need it. I'm full of fear. I'm cowardly. He was known as a cowardly lion, which is the antithesis of what he was supposed to be because lions are known to be bold, strong, and courageous. 
but he was cowardly. We see a common denominator in this list of Old Testament people that we just read and all the rest of them in Hebrews 11, who by faith they overcame in the hardest of times. They were courageous, and as a result, they didn't quit. They stayed with it. They didn't quit. They found in God the courage to keep going. Now, just for a few examples, our text mentions Gideon. And we know what Gideon did. He was cowardly when God found him. And God called him a mighty man of valor, called him something that he was not at the time. And Gideon found the courage to defeat the Midianites against overwhelming odds once he put on the courage that God gave him. David found courage to rise up, chase down the Amalekites that had kidnapped his family and recover everything. When the chips were totally down, David found courage. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found courage to face the burning, fiery oven where Jesus himself appeared to them and walked through the fire with them. But they had to say, you know what, you throw me in the fire, I'll go before I compromise my convictions regarding God. And into the fire they went, full of courage. Daniel courageously prayed out in the open, defying Nebuchadnezzar's command, and courageously faced the lion's den, went into the lion's den, and God sent his angel and delivered him. But he didn't know if that was going to happen or not, but he had the courage to go into the lion's den and trust God. I want you to notice how courage marks all these people. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, uh, person after David, person after person after person, over and over again. The same theme is found in Hebrews 11, God's hall of faith. They had faith, and because they had faith, they had courage to face fierce enemies and to take a stand. They faced everything the enemy could throw at them, and they prevailed. They refused to bow to pressure. And every one of us, every day in this culture, are feeling the pressure to bow to the ways of the world, the thinking of the world, the lifestyle of the world, and not to share what God has put in us and share His Word. But these people, they didn't bow to pressure. They didn't bend to compromise. They didn't break in their resolve. They didn't back down in the face of fierce opposition. No, they had courage. Courage is a God thing. Courage is a God thing. Jesus faced the cross courageously. He knew what was going to happen on that cross. He knew that he would be separated from God for a time while he took your sins and mine upon himself. But Jesus courageously set his face like a flint and finished because courage is a God thing and Jesus was God. Amen. God wants you and I to be courageous. He doesn't want us to be cowardly. He wants us to be courageous in this day. I believe it's going to be a courageous church that impacts the world in these last days. Not going to be a cowardly church. Not going to be a church, not going to be a go-along-to-get-along church. No, it's going to be a church that stands up in Holy Ghost courage and declares the gospel 
unashamedly, not embarrassed of Jesus Christ or what he did for you and me. No, we need to put on courage. Courage is going to be an absolute necessity in these last days if you're going to walk with God. So I want to just kind of dissect courage a little bit. And let me share some things with you about courage that stood out to me as I was getting this message ready. Number one, courage is not a feeling. It's a decision. You remember last time we were together, we looked at how Pastor Timothy's courage had been attacked by the devil. And his courage was waning. And it's mentioned in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy by the Apostle Paul, who says, Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that was given to you when I laid my hands on you. And then he says, because Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of cowardice, but a spirit of love and power and a sound, disciplined mind. Uh, so, so clearly, Timothy was having a problem, and his problem was, my, my courage has, has waned. I, I'm not feeling bold. I'm feeling a little bit embarrassed of Jesus. You know, my father in the faith is in prison. Uh, times are tough. Persecution is everywhere. And even though he was a pastor, he was struggling with having courage. So Paul writes to him. And he says, look, in both letters to Timothy, he mentions it. Timothy, I don't want you walking around in a spirit of cowardice. I don't want you in a spirit of fear. God did not give you a spirit of fear when I laid my hands on you, but no another spirit touched you. The Holy Ghost touched you. And he is a spirit of boldness and fearlessness. He is not a spirit that ministers fear. Fear comes from the devil. Fear is from Satan. You want to talk about a spirit of fear? That comes from Satan. But a spirit of fear does not come from God ever. Unless it's smart fear. Like running from a situation that will compromise you. Then you need to run in godly fear. But a phobia-type fear, phobos, an unnatural fear of something God doesn't want you afraid of, that's not from God, that's from the devil. And Timothy had begun to sink into fear. And Paul said, Timothy, don't let it happen to you. I want you to be courageous. You're going to have to be courageous in these days that we're living in right now, Timothy. Because you've been anointed and appointed to take a stand for Christ. And so have you, and so have I, in this day. And God is not looking, can I say this today? He's not looking to Washington. He's not looking to the Republicans. He's not looking to the Democrats. He's not looking to libertarians to change this country. He's looking at the church. If my people. So in other words, Timothy, make the decision. It's not a feeling. Courage is not a feeling. It's a decision. So Timothy, make the decision to put on the courage that used to characterize your walk. You used to be courageous, Timothy. Put it back on like a coat. Put on courage. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Don't be afraid of what men think. Don't be afraid of what men say. No, be courageous for God. He was courageous for you. Amen? Courage is not the absence of fear. It's the decision to not yield to fear. Amen. Courage is not the absence of fear. 
the quintessential movie cowboy, John Wayne, said, Courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. I like that. Good old John. So first, say with me, courage is a decision. In the same way that you and I are told to put on Jesus, put on love, uh, we're to put on courage. Put on courage. It's a decision. You make the decision. In this situation, I'm going to be courageous. I'm not going to shrink in fear. I'm not going to wilt with worry and, and embarrassment or intimidation. But I'm going to put on courage like a coat. And I'm going to step forward. And I'm going to be bold in God. And I'm not going to be afraid. Amen? Now, another thing about courage is without courage, you cannot fulfill God's plan for your life, and neither can I. It takes courage. You and I will never fully do God's will for all of us in this house if we don't put on courage and walk in courage. Courage is absolutely essential to you and I fulfilling His purpose for us as Christians and ministers of His. Because what are you? What am I? We're a chosen generation. Everybody say, I'm chosen. That means I'm handpicked. I'm chosen. I'm a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. I am part of a holy nation. I am a called out man, a called out woman. Why did God call me out of darkness into his marvelous light? That we should show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And how in the world are we ever going to show forth his praises if we don't put on courage? We get, courage is so crucial in these days. It takes courage to be a Christian right now. Courage to stand up for Jesus. Courage to step out in faith when God calls. Courage to face an angry devil, a hostile world, and our own inner fears. Do you know that I would have never become a preacher if I had not put on courage because I was terrified to talk in front of people? I had stage fright in all caps. So why would God call me? Because not many mighty, not many noble are called. But he chooses the weak things of this world to confound the wise. And when God began to call me to preach, I was cowardly. I ran from it as fast as I could. But God found me. You know, I found out you can't hide from God. When you get to your hiding place, he's waiting for you to arrive. That's exactly right. He, he, he knew exactly where you were going to go. Just ask Jonah. God followed him in that ship. God had a great big fish, custom designed for Jonah, who swallowed him for three days and three nights. And if you don't believe that, listen to this. Jesus did. Jesus quoted it. Jesus believed it. And God found him. And Jonah had to put on courage and obedience to preach to Nineveh. And he did it. And one, a little eight-word sentence, an eight-word sermon brought the whole city to repentance. But if I had not put on courage and stepped out and did what God, you know what I did what John Wayne said, I was scared to death, but I saddled up anyway. Amen? I was scared to death when I stood in front of my first little group of people to speak my lower lip was trembling. My eyes were twitching. I was as red as a beet. 
I thought nobody is going to like anything that I have to say, but I did it. And I gave the invitation and I was surrounded by young men that gave their hearts to Christ and I couldn't believe it. And I saw something. When you obey God and you put on courage, you are not alone. That's right. So we allow ourselves to be intimidated in the face of opposition or fearful of the opinions of men, then we will not fulfill God's purpose for us. Because it's going to take courage. It takes courage to shine into the world. It takes courage to step out and do what God's telling you to do. Minister however God's telling you to minister. Reach people in His name. It takes courage. Anything God tells us to do, it's going to take courage. There's a third thing. Loss of courage is the precursor to quitting. Listen, when courage fades, the temptation to quit rushes in. One of the first signs of somebody about to quit is they lose their courage. They lose their boldness. They lose their courage. When courage fades, discouragement fills the vacuum quickly. What is discouragement? It's when your courage has been dissed. Discouragement. What is, what is discouragement? It's when your courage has been dissed. You've lost the courage you had. And now instead of encouraged, you're discouraged. Your courage has been dissed. It's the polar opposite of courage. God wants all of us to be bold out there, to shine like a light. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. But when you lose that courage, like Timothy was starting to lose his courage, and the Bible's got to tell you, hey, fan into flame the gift of God. Get your courage back. Get your boldness back. Get your fearlessness back. Come on, Timothy. Come on, church. When courage fades, we begin assessing our situation. We look around. We add up all the reasons why we should walk. Why we should quit. Walk away from a marriage. Or our ministry. Or a difficult job. Or a church. Or a friendship a career, a cherished goal. When we get discouraged, we begin looking around for all the justifying reasons for which we are utterly justified to quit. But can I tell you something? Quitters never win. I'm going to say it again. Don't shout me down. Quitters never win. I'm going to say it one more time. Quitters never win. I want you to say it with me. Quitters never win. They never break the tape at the, at the finish line of life. They never break the tape. Quitters, quitters can't say at the end of their days, I have finished my race. Because somewhere along the way, they quit. There's a lot of people not in church anymore. They quit. They, they walked away from God because the going got tough. But listen, the worst trying times are the worst times to quit trying. Amen you got to put on courage. you got to say, I don't have to feel it. It doesn't have to be an emotion. It's like forgiveness. I never feel like forgiving anybody. 
I've never had the emotion to forgive an enemy wash over me. Oh, I just would love to forgive them. No, God has to make me do it. Right? Y'all look at me so holy, a halo over your head. Oh, Pastor Jeff, I, I forgive just readily. No, no, no. For me, it's always been like pulling a wisdom tooth. Because I always say, I've got every right in the world to hold a grudge or to be mad at them or whatever. But God says, no, you lost all your rights when you got saved. Yeah? Amen. But that's another message. But, listen, you only, not only should not quit and give up and put up the white flag and call it a day and walk away into the sunset, but I want you to know that living inside of you is a non-quitter. His name is Jesus. And Jesus never quit. Matter of fact, when he was hanging on the cross, what were the last words he uttered? It is almost finished. It is nearly done. No, he said, I did the whole thing. I fulfilled the whole will of God. I've died for the sins of men. It is finished. Finished. It's finished. How many of you want to be able to say that at the end of your life? I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Because that's what, that's what Paul said. Paul was able to reach the end of his life and say, I kept the faith. I finished the race. I finished the race. I finished God's call. There's no way he could have done it without courage. One particular danger in quitting, if I could just throw this out for free, is very often your answer is just around the corner just around the corner. And it gets truly darkest before the dawn. I think of David. If he was ever going to quit, it would have been when he and his men were returning to Ziklag and they see the city they've been living in for about 14 months burned to the ground. And their wives are gone. Their children are gone. All their goods are gone. And then David hears his men turning on him, and his team talks about killing him. There wasn't any person to stand with him. There was no one there to encourage him. There was no one there to hold his hand. There was no one there to lift his arms up. There was no one there. If ever David was going to quit ever in his life, that was the moment that he would have quit. But it says he got on his knees. And he called out on God. And he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now what struck me about this, that moment, the darkest moment in David's life, he had nothing else to lose. He had lost everything. All of his worldly goods. All of his relationships. His wives, his children, gone. Taken away by the Amalekites. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He was at a juncture, a fork in the road. Do I quit? This has been 10 long years. Do I quit? I've been running from Saul for all these years. God's purpose for me has not been fulfilled. I've never been made king. Did Samuel miss God? And, and, and if there was ever a moment for me to say, I've had it. Even my own team wants to kill me now. But he didn't. He said, Lord, do I chase them down? Courage. Everybody say courage. Oh, I love David. I love David. I love his heart. Because he said, Lord, do I chase him down? And God said, in his darkest hour, David, get up, gather your men, 
chase them, for you will defeat them and you will recover everything. Now watch this, everybody. If he had quit that day and just rode into the sunset, see you guys, see you God, I've had all this fun I can stand, I'm going back to the fields, to shepherd sheep, whatever. If he had quit that day, that day his enemy was killed. And two days later, he learned about it. And his men learned about it. And he realized two days after he could have quit that he had been made king. Let me put it another way. He was two days away from God's promise being fulfilled after ten long years of waiting. And the temptation to quit was the strongest right before the breakthrough. Amen. That's something to see law. Ponder it. Think about it. Are you being tempted to quit? Could it be that just around the corner, God's about to bring a breakthrough? You never do know. But for David, it would have been a tragedy two days away after 10 years of waiting, two days away from God's promise being fulfilled. Thank God he didn't quit. Amen. I think of the Apostle Paul and his amazing courage. Coupled with his refusal to ever quit. I am so impressed with Paul. Paul gets a bad rap in our day because he's not understood. But he's one of my heroes in the Bible. I love the Apostle Paul. And it's not a very easy thing to read what he went through and didn't quit no matter what he went through. Or in light of the things he experienced, it's amazing the man never quit. Listen to what he says to the Corinthians. He says, I've worked harder. I've been put in jail more often. I've been whipped times without number i faced death again and again and again five different times the jews gave me 39 lashes do the math five times 40 200 five times 39 195 if you had taken his shirt off and looked at his back it would have looked like a city road map of scars. 195 times a cat of nine tails had lashed across his back. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times shipwrecked. Once I was out in the open sea all night. He's telling us he was sitting there bobbing up and down in the open sea where anything could have grabbed him all night long. In the dark, having to trust God, get me to land. I've traveled many weary miles. I've often been in great danger from flooded rivers, from robbers, and from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the hands of the Gentiles. I've faced grave dangers from mobs in the cities and death in the deserts and in the stormy seas and from men who claim to be brothers in Christ but are not. Now listen to the Apostle. I've lived with weariness. And I've lived with pain. Wait a minute. Where was his confession? He lived with pain. Why didn't he just confess it? And by faith, claim it and get healed. Because sometimes you're not. 
Well, Pastor Jeff, you ought not say that. That's not a good confession. Well, it's the truth. It wasn't true for him. And he's the one that handed out handkerchiefs and they got healed. But he said, you want to know what my life is like as an apostle? I'll tell you. I've lived with weariness. Tired. So tired I could hardly put my one foot in front of the other. And I've lived with pain. And get this, sleepless nights. Often I've been hungry and thirsty. And have gone without food. Often I've shivered with cold. Without enough clothing to keep me warm. This doesn't sound like the confession of the great apostle, but this is the way he lived. And what it's telling us is sometimes life is tough. And you know what? God didn't promise to remove remove all the toughness. He just promised to get us through it. That's right. You might be thinking, well, you know, I don't think I would have survived that. How many of us would have checked out if we'd been Paul? After all these sufferings, that I've had all this apostleship, I can stand. I'm going back to the temple, back to Judaism. This is killing me. But he never quit. He was courageous to the end. He walked in courage. You say, well, you know, Jeff, I wish that I had courage. I'd love to have courage. I'd love to be courageous. But when I need it most, it evaporates like an early morning fog. How do I get courage? Where do I find it? Where does it come from? Listen, courage is found, and I close with this, in your most important relationship. Courage is found in your most important relationship. Now, um, I believe it's revealed, amongst other places, in God's call to Joshua. And here's what it says. God said to Joshua, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Then he said it again. Have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The key to courage is found in these words. I will never leave you nor forsake you. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. It's very simple, folks. I'm going to give you a simple formula for courage. Here it is. Are you ready? Courage arises when we know that God is with us. When we know that God is with us, standing beside us, at our side, committed to seeing us through every challenge, danger, battle, and trial. When I know that God is with me, I can go through any fire, any valley, any trial, any difficulty, any perplexity, when I know that God is with Jeff, I can go through anything. Come on, everybody. I want you to say with me, God is with me. When I was in school, uh, in junior high, um, I had a group of guys, a little handful of guys that decided to bully me. And they bullied me every day. And they used to say to me, we're going to find you after school, we're going to get you, and we're going to whoop you after school. And so what I learned to do is I learned to go out a side door. And I would cross a creek, I'll never forget it, crossing that lonely creek, because everybody else went out the main door, but this little group was bullying me. And so 
I learned how to go out the side door, go down this little hill, cross the creek, and get home by the back way. And this little group of bullies were intimidating me and, and really affecting my whole life. Now, I had a friend, well, a semi-friend, somebody I knew. And for whatever reason, probably God, he decided he liked me. He was called Big Jim. That's what they called him, Big Jim. You know why they called him Big Jim? Because Jim was big. He was tall and he was muscular. And one day he said to me, hey, Wickwire, why are you running out the side door? Well, you know, this little group of guys, they're, they're bullying me. And they've told me they're going to they're gonna beat me up after school. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of avoiding them. He said, I'll tell you what, today, let's go out the main door and you just walk next to me. I said, you sure? He said, I'm positive. All right, that, I thought all day about it. Couldn't concentrate on school. Am I really going to go out the main door where they're all going to see me? But big Jim had said, you walk next to me. So big Jim found me. We walked out the main door. We walked down to the street. We walked to the sidewalk where they always were. And I'll never forget, at first they saw me and they started rallying to approach me. And then they saw who was next to me. (laughs) And you know what they did? Hey, and they walked away. They waved at me and walked away. I suddenly felt strong because of who was at my side. Now listen, I've got a better than Big Jim. His name is Big Jesus. And he's walking next to you. Come on, everybody. He's walking next to you. And when the enemy sees big Jesus and you're walking with him, not a whole lot the enemy can do if you're right with Jesus because you resist the devil. He will flee from you because of who is standing at your side. Paul said, when everybody in Asia forsook me and no one stood with me at the trial to face Caesar, the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. So that the, through the message, or through me, the message might be fully proclaimed. Another time when the ship that he was in was about to sink and go under, he prayed. And it says, last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Everybody say beside, beside, beside. You see, that's the thing. When we get saved, we get a friend. We get an attorney. We get a defender. His name is Jesus. And when we're walking with him and he's at our side, if God be for us, who can be against us? King David said, even though walking through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Guarding, guiding all the way. Amen. He say with me, he's with me. He told Abraham, I'm with you. I'll watch over you wherever you go. Jesus told his followers, be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. When he promised the Holy Spirit, he said, I'll ask the Father. He'll give you another helper that he may be with you forever. I love this one and I'll close. 
The Bible promises to you and to me, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. With you. Where does courage come from? It comes from remembering. Big Jesus is with me. At my side. And for that reason, I can be courageous. Amen? Can you stand up with me today? Amen. And by the way, the thugs that have been bullying me never look for me again. Isn't that cool? I think God sent Big Jim so that I'd be alive today to tell you about it. Amen. Can we lift our hands to our Lord? Thank you for courage, Lord. You're bold as a lion. God has given you courage. Courage to face your enemy, your weakness, your temptations, your trials, your critics. God has given you courage. Courage. Put on that courage. Walk in that courage. I want you to say with me, He's with me. Now, how many of you can say with heads bowed, Jeff, I'm in a, I'm in a battle, I'm in a struggle. And, and it, one of the things I need most is some courage right now. I need courage. Raise your hand. I need courage from God. I need courage from the Lord. I want to pray for you today. Listen, quickly come out. The Lord told me to do this, so I'm going to do it. I want you to quickly come down here. Quickly step out and come. Because we're going to believe God. We're going to put on courage together. Come on. If you raise your hand, don't, don't sit there discouraged or intimidated. Come down. Because I want to pray for courage. Courage to come. In Jesus' name. Come on. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. How many of you out there can testify, I was battling intimidation and battling fear, but God anointed me with courage. Amen. Courage. Praise the Lord. Now, I don't know what it is you need courage in, But I know that it has to do with making a decision that is righteous, that is right, that is biblical. Something is attacking your life. A critic is challenging you. Or you need the courage to step out in faith on something God has shown you. Courage. Let me tell you, church, there would be no church here, no building, no turning point. If we had not had courage to step out in faith and get it, and do it. It takes courage to walk with God. So I want everybody down here to lift your hands to the Lord. Courage comes from God. The Lord is my light. He is my salvation. I will not fear. The Lord is the strength of my life. I will not be afraid. Now, Father, courage comes from you. It comes from knowing who's next to to us. It comes from knowing who's at our side. So, Lord, we pray for courage today. I want you to lift your hands and say, Lord, I receive. I put on courage. I make the decision to walk forward in boldness, in fearlessness, to take my stand, even if I'm standing alone.
I'm not alone, but you are with me at my side and you will strengthen me and I will prevail and I will do the will of God. I will do the will of God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.